Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt, who is a little more amped up than usual even. Dad, how are you doing? Doing well. You know, it's a dance party here. Go, Pack, go. Go, Pack, yeah. go. Those of you at home... For all of uh, you who are happy there's no video to go with this audio, I'm dancing. Yes, he is doing a little shimmy, doing a little little uh, little shoulder shake, because the Packers, Dad, win. Wild card weekend. Packers win 48 to 32 over the Cowboys in Dallas, in Jerry World, in AT&T Stadium. Any of the three will do. The Packers will win either way. Uh, Packers win. The Cowboys had not lost in 16 straight games over pretty much almost two whole seasons worth in Dallas. And the Packers just go in there and kick their ass up and down the field for the Fun whole fact. game. Fun fact. Yeah. But pa- this Packers can be have a- more playoff wins at AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys do. That's, I mean, this can be an entire podcast of fun facts. Any fact from this game is inherently <laughs> a, fun a fun fact. I mean, what is it? The Packers is the most points scored on Dallas in a playoff game, I think, ever. Uh, I think it's, t- did it tie the most uh, points for a playoff game for, for the, the Packers, Packers ever? That's what I heard. It was a tie. First, I thought it was yes. Seth Rogen, but I think I, 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 I think it tied I it the tie. uh, one against the Cardinals in like, oh, nine, maybe, I think I I will double check that, but every single part about this podcast is going to be fun. The Packers win. They are moving on next week. They will be playing in Santa Clara versus the Niners on Saturday night. We will be here to give you a pregame for that pod. Um, So just, you know, keep your uh, feeds tuned for that. But today we are focusing on this win. Improbable win. Packers become the youngest team to ever win a playoff game in NFL history, or at least until as long as they keep those stats. But dad, I mean, what a fun game. Can, do you want to give us just like your gut reaction, like while you were watching it? Because we didn't watch this one together. Uh, so wh- what were you, what was going through your brain as you watched it? And when did you actually feel like, wow, what is like this? We're really putting it on him right here. When did I really feel like we were putting it on? I think when the, um, the pick six, that was when I was like, was, damn, was, I was like, going to say just the pick six. Cause the, the other thing at that point, I was still watching it on uh stream. And I had seen a tweet about pick six. Wait, wait, is somebody begging for a pick six? Is somebody hoping for a pick six? Like, this can't have really happened, can it? It's like, no, it was actually a pick six. And after that, then I switched to the antenna. So I'd be uh, um, watching it as, as close to live as possible. I mean, just, yeah. So it's it, that pick six made it 27 to, no, 27 to nothing, that is. And then it was 27-7 going into half. Cowboys come, had the ball coming out of half. I was a little bit like, okay, if they score here, it's a two-score game. Like, that. And, that is still and, a game with less than two left. touchdowns and extra points. Yes, exactly. And so I was like, okay, like, that's a game. And then they, you know, held them to a field goal, and the Packers just march right down and score another touchdown. And then the Packers just march right down and score another touchdown. And then the Packers just march right down and score another touchdown. I was like, wow. Like, we are just, like, full pedal to the metal. Like, don't let up until we let up a little in the fourth quarter. But I'm not even going to trip about that. I know some people got – I okay, I'm not going to lie. I got a little stressed. But realistically, I, we didn't really need to, but we kind of needed to. It was one of those things. You you were a little stressed, too. It wasn't just me, right? I, know I, I started pacing Tater. around behind the couch when it got down um, there. It's like, okay, I got I to gotta get my feet because it's not zero. I didn't want, no, I, I didn't want it zero. to ever – I didn't want to have to live through an onside kick when we were only up by one score. Especially after we barely recovered two onside the, kicks already. The, both of them. And our, 
special teams is so world renowned for its like reliability, you know. But anyway, we're gonna talk about each phase of this game um, going forward. Let's let's start though with you know the downer news of this one, uh, and that is that we did have a few injuries in this game. Uh, the worst of which was JJ and Agbury, um, who tore his ACL uh, in this game, which really sucks uh, for him. He was putting together a really nice uh, second season as a rotational edge rusher. It's a big part of what they were doing in terms of keeping those guys fresh. And uh, it sucks also because it's you know the type of injury that's going to trail into next year too, which it, it's just yeah, so it's all bad. It sucks. Um, but yeah, so that's that's really tough. Uh, beyond that, there were a few other injuries as well. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, our thoughts are with, you know, JJ Nagbury and his, his family. That's a really tough injury right there. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie left with another head and neck injury. Um, I'm going to keep an eye on that one in, uh, practice this week in terms of injury reports, because, you know, he was getting a good amount of run before he did go out with that injury. And we'll talk about that later. And then Jair Alexander, uh, tweaked his ankle. Uh, Lafleur said today that Jair would not have been able to come back in the game. We're recording here, uh, Monday night. Um, so, you know, just keep in mind of that going forward when you're listening to this this is just the information we have now uh but that's the injury report right there um but dad should we get into the rest of this game breakdown because you know now that we got like the downer stuff out of the way this is a game of like relentless positives and like almost non-stop positives i do think you know maybe we go so let's offense defense and then we were joking before you know let's go good offense bad offense bad defense good defense so we could end on a positive note and then we both remembered that we always end with special teams which you know Ending with a positive note is maybe not as uh, accurate in that one since we're always ending on special teams. But maybe someday it'll be a positive. Uh, but Dad, let's let's talk about the game. Um, what did you have as the biggest moment of the game? We usually go by ESPN right. win probability. So uh, right. what what's what play swung the game the most? So Aaron Jones' second touchdown run took it from a 60% chance of Green Bay winning to a 72.2% chance of Green Bay winning. So a 12.2% swing. And the Packers never really look back. You know, the interesting thing is it's so early in the game because, you know, after like that, what, midway through the second quarter, just before halftime, the win probability was like stayed in the 90s the whole rest of the game. So well, there wasn't the, much room for it to swing. That's the thing is I was looking at like, you know how you and I both said we were getting a little nervous in that fourth quarter when like it was like a 32-point game with six minutes left and they got it to like 16 with a minute 30. And like the win probability is still like 99.98. Like, like or something, or it was like ninety nine point. I think I looked ninety nine point eight nine per NFL fast star was the lowest it got. So it did dip below ninety nine point nine. If you if that's enough to get you like a little bit <laughs> shaky there, um, but no, yeah, the, the Packers. I really mostly... wish they had gotten that first down so they could just kneeled it out there. Oh, me too. But you know, I really wish they got that first down so Jordan Love could have maintained his perfect pass rating. Maintained his one fifty eight point three. But since we're talking about that and we're about to talk about the offense anyways, let's go into the offense and let's start with what they're saying, Dad. Uh, this is where we have, you know, a quote. We'll have a quote for each side of the ball. What are what are the Packers players or coaches or whoever saying about the offense in this one? Yeah, so I think this was from today's press conference and I got this from Tom Silverstein. Uh, Matt LaFleur said um, regarding Love's touchdown pass to uh, Dontavian Wicks, it's like, that was one of those plays you sit there and watch that all day. And I know exactly what he means. Yeah. Um, and he, he wasn't talking just about the throw, but also pre-snap about how he was praising Love for how he set the prote- um, protection. I yeah, think particularly so, about what Tucker Craft's assignment was on on the blocking scheme there. To me, that play is just like the perfect, like, so step one, Love identifies that they're going, that the defense, Dallas, is going to a cover zero blitz, which means everyone is getting sent except for one guy per each receiver. So each guy is going to be in a one-on-one coverage situation. So Love identifies that and, you know, sets the protection appropriately. Two, 
they check to, I, I think it's a check or they already had the perfect play called, but they check to a play that's a cover, like cover zero, essentially killer. So when you're in cover zero, you're not going to have any middle field help as a corner or as a man-to-man defender like you would in a lot of other coverages. There's not going to be any safety to help you to the middle of the field. So what they do there is Jaden Reed is on the outside and Dontavian Wicks is in the slot. And Jaden Reed has uh, Stephon Gilmore on him. Jaden Reed goes in motion to the point where he is now inside of Dontavian Wicks. And so then the guy who was guarding Dontavian Wicks just bumps over to guard Reed because now he's the inside receiver. And then Gilmore takes Wicks. But what that does, what that motion does, is because Gilmore was the outside corner, he's left with no choice but to play Dontavian Wicks with outside leverage, which means like, you know, he's like to the outside of Wicks and he's kind of guarding any kind of out route. And so because of that motion, he's stuck giving outside leverage to a one like a one-on-one route with no inside help and there's no safety on the inside to to help and then so that's to the you know that's the second part of it where it's like perfect play call and perfect you know motion to put the defense in a disadvantageous situation and whether that was a check or not i'm not sure i couldn't tell if he actually can the play or not uh and then finally i mean what a freaking throw with the yeah. guy in his lap. The guy coming right in his face. This is just yeah. another one of those back foot throws, like perfectly placed. Perfectly placed. Just right on the on the face mask, away from the defender. I, think I mean Love only had like one off target throw all game. Well let's let's talk about this game. Because let's start with the positives on offense, because for me it's Jordan Love one A, B, C, D. I mean yeah, don't I get me you wrong. Beat me, you beat me too at uh getting writing up the Jordan Love part. So Hey you, you I, snooze, I, you lose. I, but yeah, so the Thing that I want to say, I mean, first of all, offense overall was electric. Uh, 0.356 EPA per play on offense. For reference, the league leader is 0.179. So almost twice as good as, you know, the best offense in the league this year, which was the Niners. Um, then even if you t- if you take out the plays where the Packers had less than a 99.9% chance of winning, it was all the way up at 0.423 EPA per play, which is just... I mean, so pretty much when the game wasn't, they're going to win 999 out of every 1,000 times they're in that scenario, they were stomping even more on offense. And you wanted to mention something there. Um, but yeah, I, it's just that, you know, for all the time that they were actually focused on trying to score and not just on killing the clock, they were absolutely on fire. What is this they, like? They scored six two and touchdowns. Times the, they scored six touchdowns the, the on their leader. first seven. They scored six touchdowns on their first seven possessions. On their yes. first seven possessions, they scored six touchdowns. I mean, that, and then the, a pick six thrown in there, and too. Plus, right, plus measure. a pick six. Yeah, so, I mean, just an annihilation. And I like I said, the big story here is Jordan Love, 1A, BC. He was 16 of 21 for 272 yards and three touchdowns. He had a perfect passer rating until they had to, they had already taken him out for Sean Clifford and then had to bring him back in. And Matt LaFleur said later, he's like, yeah, I shouldn't have pulled my starters that early. That's on me. But anyway, 1.13 EPA per dropback, expected points added per dropback. So some of these numbers are insane. To put that into context, that 1.13 EPA per dropback, ludicrous number. It is the 11th highest EPA per dropback in a single game with at least 20 dropbacks for a quarterback since 1999. And it might be back even further because that's just as far back as the NFL fast star data goes that I'm pulling this from. It is the second highest EPA per dropback in a playoff game with a minimum of 10 dropbacks since 1999. Only Peyton Manning in 2004 where he had five touchdowns and like 360 yards on 26 attempts was higher. Like that's how 
ridiculous Jordan Love was in this game. When it mattered on third down, so like when the game like was in reach, which, you know, not super long. Hey, hey. Uh, what, he was four of five on third down for 62 yards and a touchdown. Um, he was PFF's highest graded passer in the first four games of wildcard weekend. We don't have the numbers for either the Pittsburgh uh, Buffalo game or for the Eagles Buccaneers game, but I would imagine they're not going to be much higher than that. Um, some numbers per PFF uh, in terms of when he was pressured and when he was not. Uh, so when he was kept clean, he was 11 of 14 for 120 yards and a touchdown. That's 8.6 yards per attempt. When he was pressured, he was five of seven for 152 yards and two touchdowns. That's all, that's over 20 yards an attempt. So that didn't work. So it, so even when he was pressured, that wasn't going well for them. And then blitz versus not blitzed. When he wasn't blitzed, he was 10 of 13 for 143 yards and a touchdown. And then when he was blitzed, he was six of eight for 129 yards and two touchdowns. So it didn't really matter what they were throwing at him uh, all day. Pretty much he was automatic. And then by depth of target, you know, when he was targeting the deep part of the field, that's 20 plus yards in the air. He was four of five for 126 yards and two touchdowns. He was four of five from 10 to 19 yards as well for 90 yards. He was six of nine short um, for 38 yards and a touchdown. And really the only part of the field he didn't throw well to was behind the line of scrimmage on screens. And just, you know, the plays that are supposed to be kind of gimme plays, like just schemed up ones. Those are the only plays that didn't really work for the Packers were screens that they called. Everything else he, was just He completed insane. both. He still completed oh, both of them. And he still completed both of them. But those are like the only plays that didn't go for just ridiculous gains. And I mean, Dad, he was so freaking insane in this game. I mean, just ludic- he was ludicrous. Do you have anything you wanted to add for him? Because I, 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 mean, I, well, I, like I, I need a sound effect for like, you know, get a Luda. Luda! But no, it was it was it not insane? Was it not oh, insane? Well, it's like the number of those throws with somebody at his face or off of his back foot, you know, half jumping in the air. It didn't yeah. matter. No, that's what I was saying because I'll talk about later. Like I actually initially came into breaking down these numbers, and I was like, oh, like I feel like the offensive line played really well. You know, Micah. We talk about like Micah Parsons only had one pressure, which is and he had the lowest uh, pressure percentage or pressure rate. Uh, of his career so far in a game and it's like oh they didn't give up a sack and then you look at the numbers like Jordan Love was pressured on seven of his 21 dropbacks like 33 percent of his dropbacks he was pressured and like he was just dicing them up and didn't take a single sack and a lot of that has you know the offensive line was good like handling Parsons and not letting him beat them but Love was just handling pressure so well I mean to be pressured on 33 percent of your dropbacks and not take a sack is very impressive and it's not like his time to throw was crazy either it was only like 2.7 something I think yeah, the, the pressure to sack ratio is, well, zero. Insane. It's zero. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy. I saw somebody tweet somewhere. It's like the last whatever, I don't know, four or five, six weeks. So he's basically playing at an MVP level. 21 touchdowns and one interception in his last, what, nine games is it now? I think, yeah, it was 18-1 through be. eight, yeah. 19, yeah, nine games now. I mean, it's like what is it the highest passer rating like for a playoff debut ever i think passer rating doesn't matter Don't, ignore that stat but it's you know it's always fun to just reference but it, things but yeah it, it was the best ever it didn't even it didn't have to be 158.3 it was still the the best for a debut ever yeah and i mean it's not just him though like he, so let's talk about jordan love and let's also talk about matt lafleur because his game planning today i mean he coached circles around dan quinn he coached absolute circles around Dan Quinn. Um, two things I wanted to point out. So just as a point of like 
evidence towards you know how well he coached the passing game in this one on offense. I'm just going to look at separation created for players. This is per next gen stats. I'm going to be like, hey, this is indicating that he's getting players open. Nothing indicates that more than the Y leak play. And I don't know if you saw this, but they run that the one to Musgrave where there's just actually not someone. It was the most open a player has been all year apparently for like the the chips in the shoulder pads. Oh, by, by all of the uh, yes. all the measurements they've done because it, it was funny. It, it was right after they talked about how I think it was. Uh, whoever was announcing said like, well, they really need to sell out against the run. So it doesn't matter. And then all of a sudden there's Musgrave with 30 yards downfield with nobody near him. Well, to me, you know what it kind of looked like? It looked so similar to the throwback screen they did in week one versus the bears. And you can see like Aaron Jones is over there to the right. And there's like a wall of, of linemen and a Cowboys player like just shoots up field, like, like, like a bullet for that, like, for the one to Aaron Jones, like, because he's thinking that it's going to be that, you know, the one crow hop that he threw to Aaron yeah, Jones. Yeah, I, I know, I know his play. And then you just see the ball go just totally different way, and then there's just no yeah, one else there. so much air under it, because, like, I just, I don't, I got to make yeah. sure that wherever I throw this, he's going to have time to get under it. It didn't matter. Yeah, and plus he was getting hit at the same time. But just to circle back to Matt LaFleur, um, to put these numbers that I'm about to say in perspective, league average separation is 2.95 yards. Uh, per target, that is. So this is the average yards of separation per times you're targeted. Um, and the league leader amongst receivers is four and a half. In this game, Dobbs had five over five yards of separation per target on six targets. And Musgrave had 9.38 <laughs> yards of separation per target on three targets. Um, Did you hear like um, the other LaFleur comment, like uh, Musgrave stand on his feet? Yes, the, the cheer in the locker room for the Musgrave. And Musgrave stand on his feet. And the thing is, that's how I felt as a fan, too. So clearly they're talking about it because the running joke is that he runs like Bambi. And he falls over his feet all the time. Bambi on ice. Bambi on ice, that is. Bambi on ice. And then also I just wanted to talk about, you know, Matt LaFleur. So I think that indicates some really awesome play calling in the past game. The fact they were able to get such good separation for their receivers. And then in the run game, um, yards before contact, these numbers are per PFF. And that's kind of how I'm in, like, just kind of pointing towards why I think that he called a very nice run game as well, is that Aaron Jones averaged two, uh, 2.55 yards before contact per attempt. For reference, amongst 78 running backs, uh, so that's 25% of all running backs in the league this year, on this season, 2.55 would be behind only Keaton Mitchell and Devon Achan, who are very different styles of running back and are much more like not, not as high usage running backs as Aaron Jones. So I think that was very impressive. They hit him a ton of times with that split flow where everyone looks like they're zone blocking left. And then the tight end comes back to the right. Assuming you're assuming you're running it that way. And the tight end comes back, cuts the cuts the edge on the opposite side. And then the running back just takes, in this case, it was always Aaron Jones, takes the gap created by that guy slamming out and taking the edge guy out. And then they just wall of massive human beings taking out the rest of the line. And that was what they got on. I think it was Jones's third touchdown. That's how they got that one. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was just a coaching masterclass from Matt Lafleur. Um, amazing game from Jordan Love. I just felt like those two needed to be mentioned in tandem with one another. Sorry, I've been talking so much, Dad. But that's what well, I just thought. Maybe I will go. Can I? Can I jump in? Uh, of course. Following yes, with sorry, what I have on Aaron Jones. Because you have you got some other stuff. But I'll, let me just jump into the Aaron Jones stuff. Uh, he was great. So he he came in on the you know leading all Dallas playoff opponents in yards per game ahead of. Barry Sanders and Walter Payton. And he maintained it now over like four games, not just three, with 118 yards and three TDs. Plus, he had a catch for 13 yards. He now has four straight games over 110 yards per game and over five yards per carry. 
he had a success rate in the game. Um, so that's getting at least, I think, 40% it's what you need on first down, 60%, 60% on, second on second down, down 100% on either getting a first down or touchdown on third or fourth. Yep. And so his success, success rate in this game was 62%. This would lead, lead the league for all running backs with at least 40 carries in the season. So, that, so that's better than anybody's done over the, the full season. He had his best offensive grade of the season per PFF, and he forced four missed tackles, his fourth game in a row with at least four missed tackles forced. And it felt like so many more than that. I mean, we highlighted yeah. in the preview, like, he just owns the Cowboys. He, he just looks so owns fast out there. the Cowboys. And, and you have a comment here you wanted to add on to the Aaron Jones thing about his uh, blitz pickup? Yeah, I, I thought he blocked really well in this game, too. Specifically, uh, I think it was... It was one of the it was two Michael big Parsons. plays. Yeah, but it was one of the two big plays to Dobbs, where Parsons beat Zach Tom uh, on one of the few times he actually got the better of Zach Tom on the night, and then Aaron Jones, all bless him, 190 pounds of him, just pops Micah Parsons and well, stops him in his track, and he has to come out of the game because he got hit in the left ribs. Micah so hard. Parsons holding his checking his ribs after that game. Yeah, after that so, play. And you know, Aaron Jones is not a big guy, and Micah Parsons is one of the best defensive players in the league, and he. There were two. There was another blitz, uh, not blitz pickup, but it was a stunt pickup where the line got a little confused that Jones picked him up as well. And so, I mean, practically perfect game from Aaron Jones in this one. He was he was unstoppable. And the thing is, it was weird because you know the first drive of the game they were running the ball really well, and then the second and the third, well, the third drive they were so close to the end zone that it didn't matter as much. But you know, the run game stalled out for a bit, and then in the second half they just imposed their will on the ground. Yeah. Over. It was and mostly over just over again. Yeah, the run game was mostly like the, the touchdowns in the first half, and then they just started piling up the yards in the well, second half. And that's why I wanted to shout out the offensive line. You know, I know I talked about you know the some of the pass blocking numbers. I think are maybe a little um, maybe misleading because while they you know no sacks, Micah Parsons held the one pressure on nineteen pass rushes, which is awesome, the lowest pressure rate of his career, like we talked about. And so when you're focused on taking away, you know, don't let a star player beat you. We talk about that all the time. We talk about how that went very poorly for them against the Raiders. I'm sure we'll talk about that next week against the Niners. But they did not let a star player beat them in the pass rush. And, you know, they did still allow seven pressures on 21 dropbacks, which is not very good in terms of pressure rate allowed, like pressures per dropback. But in terms of run blocking, we talked, I talked recently or briefly uh, just before this about how Jones had two and a half or 2.55 yards before contact per attempt and how that would only be behind A-Chan and Keaton Mitchell on the year. And to me, what makes this more impressive, and these numbers are also per PFF, just like those last ones, is that 15 of Jones's 21 carries, so 71% of them, were between the tackles. And you can contrast to those to the two guys who were ahead of him in yards before contact, where Mitchell, only 55% of his are between the tackles, and A-Chan, only 44%. So those yards before contact, like on top of good play calling from LaFleur, was the line just moving and out-leveraging people up front all day long. And just like, so the Cowboys are a smaller team. They play like a really small linebacker. I think they're saying Marquis Blair's their linebacker. And he was a safety at Utah, if I remember correctly. He's only like 210 pounds. So you can run up the middle and between the tackles on them. And, but at the same time, you know, offensive line and Aaron Jones and Matt LaFleur, I think three-way tie for credit for what they were doing there on the ground in this game. Yeah. Well, plus, you know, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. You know, he had... Um, I think success on 13 of his 21 carries, but they, the first two didn't go no. anywhere. 
the first two I remember watching, I was like, okay, Myers gets blown up. Okay, Rashid Walker gets blown up. Okay, all right, we're uh, doing the thing again. Yeah, I cool. guess it was the second run of the game where Walker gets kind of spun around and knocked into him. Yeah, I, I don't think he even got spun around. He just got shoved straight backwards into Jones. And so I, one of my friends I was watching it with was like, butt fumble, butt fumble. I was like, no, 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 please. None of that. <laughs> don't speak that into on to it. Uh, but no, yeah. So, but yeah, and then they settled in. They settled in really well. So, it, I mean, awesome stuff from the offense. I have, you know, more stuff we could talk about. Uh, the main things I wanted to highlight, though, were Jordan Love, uh, Matt LaFleur, and this offensive line. Uh, Dad, did you have any other positives that I you have wanted more, to talk about know, on offense? So Romeo Dobbs was just amazing. So going into going into the game... It, so can I, I say, talk, sorry. Can I say one thing? Last week, sure. this man was coughing up blood in the hospital. This is true. He was like, this is how I said, we need, we, somebody needed to have put like, uh, the Undertaker, uh, yeah. um, me for, uh, for Dobbs in this one, sitting up. Yeah, he's like, and I'm back. I think it was his first 100 yard game of the, of his career, right? Is that, is it that, might have been certainly of the season. I think it's easily his, I think it's of the, of the, of, uh, his career. So coming into today's games, he's leading all wide receivers in PFF receiving grade in the playoffs so far with a career high of 93.2 caught all six of his targets 25.2 yards per reception which is also 25.2 yards per target which is bonkers and um he was third in the league in yak with a total of 57 yards that was five first downs and a perfect passer rating when targeted and a touchdown on top of that as well just and a touchdown tag that on but i wanted to say just to touch oh, on the ahead. yak for a second. Has he it's always been this fast? He's ever looked I've in never, his career. I've never like seen twice him look this fast. When he had, the, had those long passes, he's just the defender who was guarding him gets left in the dust after he catches the ball. Yeah, he's just pulling twice. away from him. And I remember we talked about uh, when he was drafted and his rookie years, like, oh yeah, his senior bowl, like zebra times, like he has like one of the highest like top speeds. It, like at the senior bowl, like he, he can really hit an awesome top speed. Like when he has like time to ramp up. And I mean, we saw it today. <laughs> they could not like he yeah, was. Who just, was that? What's his name? It's like Lewis. I can't remember the who the. I might have been Jordan name. Lewis. He's, yeah, but he had he two different the catches. The right side, and then there's two, another one too. But two different catches where he had more than twenty yards after the catch. Um, so one one where I went for thirty nine total, and twenty three of those were yak, and another where I went forty six, and twenty one of those were yak. He also had the invisibility cloak that Bo Melton had against the Vikings because uh, they just kept losing him. <laughs> just they just kept losing him. in the middle of the field all by himself. As well, you mentioned. One. Go ahead. Um, yeah. yeah, he his 5.1. This, this ties into his fi- almost 5.1 average yards of separation. For, um, yeah, he's in the, and that's in the middle of the field. Yeah. And the thing <laughs> and, is. And he was, he was second in the week only to Travis Kelsey. And it's better than anybody's season average when he had this week. But there's so I just wanted to also touch on so he had those big plays where he turned like awesome separation into massive big plays. So like when you have that separation, you want to be creating these huge explosive plays, which he did. But also two plays that pop out as well beyond that are the big second and sixteen after the hold or the first. And, am I stealing your thunder? Go ahead, go ahead. It's it's right in my head. It's right in my notes. Okay, contested take, take catch away. at the one yard line was a look. Here I'm reading it word for word. I want it written there. Yeah, that 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 catch after they've given up the holding penalty to go. You know, first and goal from the 16, which is always hard to get into the end zone from. That contested catch at the one-yard line, I felt was a low-key critical point in the entire game when they were only up 7 nothing at the time. 
Yeah. And to make it now second to goal at the one for a you know a high probability of scoring a touchdown instead of and very low. Another at first to goal in the sixteen. Excellent throw from Jordan Love. Another excellent yeah. throw from Jordan Love. I mean, and, look, I, I just we we also every single time we said we got to be like, and Jordan Love was also out of his mind in this game. He was blacked out the whole game, going crazy. Sorry, go ahead. And then what's it? His his touchdown catch. Yeah. That I mean, play was in the throw was insane. I was gonna say the throw and, and we gotta say it again. Jordan Love was out of his freaking mind in this I game. I can't believe how he sl- slipped that through, but but it's also it was good concentration by Dobbs as it like I don't know, changed direction three times in the air to get around all the defenders to him. Yeah, and like the uh I was watching like a breakdown that uh Kurt Benkert, former uh Packers quarterback, had online, and he was talking about, yeah, usually like so Dobbs there like picks the guy. And usually you're supposed to, like, after you set the pick, continue out. But because he saw two guys already where he was supposed to go, he just kind of stopped. He was like, okay, like, I'm open right here. I guess I'll just wait and, like, hold the space. And that was exactly what that play needed. That was what that play required. And uh, and so if you were ranking Jordan Love impressive throws, that one is one to me. That, that, was, one that, was, that was my uno. favorite throw of the game. That throw was absolutely bonkers because he's going to his right, slings it sidearm back to the left, Slips through this tiny window between past you know two they, separate defenders to get. You know to what I saw multiple Dobbs. people call that the car wash throw, where if you had oh, thrown it through a car wash, the car wash it wet, but it gets it get wet. Yeah, exactly. Wet. Um, but the and then the uh, second best is the Wicks touchdown. That's that's yeah. number two for me. Yeah, I don't know what I'm putting third. It's one of the Dobbs throws, probably. Although actually, it might be the one to craft on the left sideline. Like the left when he's he's rolling left and it looks like a play that's designed for Wicks to come across the formation and a little dump off and take some yak. And then Wicks gets caught up on the DN. And you see Love look at him and he's like, uh, I can't throw that. And then he looks further and he just rifles it into craft, like right in the bicep. I mean, oh man, what a freaking game. What a fun game. It was this 48 was to 16 with six minutes in the fourth. I mean, what a fun freaking game. Um, but dad, there were definitely any other positives on offense. Cause I, you know, I had a couple well, negatives. I, you know, there's the, the blocking you talked about a little bit. And I just wanted to give uh, Rashid Walker a little shout out after mm-hmm. the, the first two day, days of the playoffs, he led all offensive linemen in pass blocking grade and gave up zero pressures on 22 pass blocking snaps. Not bad. And, and Zach Tom had his best run blocking grade of his career at 91.4. Yeah, and, and I think first first elite run blocking grade of his career, and and the highest run blocking grade, um, in the playoffs so far. Yeah, uh, this is something I wish I had looked at, but I just want to get. It felt like we were doing a lot more heavy personnel in this one, right? I saw more Deguara than I was used to, a lot more Deguara than I was used to. I saw him in I, a little bit. I, I can't uh, say I really noticed what he was doing. I saw a lot, a lot of like snaps with Musgrave and Kraft out there. Yeah, I, I was just wondering what you thought about in that, and if you like felt that way as well that you know they were they were doing a lot more heavy personnel sets. I have to say I wasn't really on top of that. I was looking at at some points later in the game. I was looking at um, you know who the skill positions were, and there weren't that. And I did notice a couple of times there aren't that many there aren't that many receivers out right now. Um, but then but I wasn't picking up on who the tight ends were. But I I think that is actually what was going on. Yeah, so just to, I checked it really quick on PFF. 45 snaps for Tucker Craft, and then 
15 for Musgrave, 13 for Sims, and 10 for Deguara, which I feel like is a high for Deguara in a long time. Haven't I feel like I haven't seen him take that many snaps in quite a bit. But I think it was it seemed like a conscious effort to be like, hey, the Dallas defense is small. Let's just go up there and bully him. Let's just take it to him. And I mean, they it may worked. have also wanted the extra blocker um, potential for the pass rush. And also, you know, a lot of that game was a, you know, very positive game script for the Packers. So a lot of extra, probably heavy personnel just running the ball, too, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but Dad, there were definitely a few negatives on offense in this game. Uh, to me, the one that stood out the most was uh, any time that they had to hand the ball off to not Aaron Jones. Uh, it was not great. Um, Non-Aaron Jones running backs, uh, so that's Emmanuel Wilson and Patrick Taylor in this one, had 11 carries for 26 yards with a long of 7 yards, uh, 2.36 yards per carry. Um, just a 36% success rate uh, would be worse than the worst team in the league this year. Uh, not great. Uh, and gained one or fewer yards on 6 of 11 carries. Uh, so just anytime, shows how good Jones is, or was, and I think, or at least was in this game. I think it also shows how much they miss Dylan, because yeah, I, yeah, I think true. they, I think they really missed having Dylan as a more reliable second running back. But it is also true, you know, that's just how freaking good Aaron Jones is. I mean, yeah, it's just it's a crime. He only has one Pro Bowl in his career, a crime. It, it's inexplicable, actually. You know, when you really think about how good he's been in this league for how long he's been in this league. Um, but dad, that was really the only negative I had on offense. The other thing is, you know, the pass blocking, you know, seven pressures on 21 dropbacks, like we said, not great, but you held Micah Parsons. So I'm going to call that a push. Um, what did you have in terms of negatives on offense? Yeah. So, um, I'm nitpicking a little bit here, but the, the run blocking by anyone other than Tom was generally poor running was slightly above average and everybody else was below average including, you know, rotating. They had a, a little bit of rotation going in there, maybe when they basically pulled out every starter. Speaking of which, I'm calling it a bad thing for LaFleur, increasing my nervousness during the game by yeah. taking out basically all the starters with six minutes left. Not just love, not just say, okay, we'll take our starting quarterback out. They put in all the backup linemen as well. I think, and, I and think running backs. it was fine. It just felt bad. because of, It felt like, bad because it was so quick. You know, they, they basically yeah. got two touchdowns like a minute and a half apart. Yeah. But it still didn't, like, really... I mean, it kind of mattered, but it didn't really just, matter, you I'm know? I'm just talking about how I felt. How you felt. Fair, fair. <laughs> that that well, I, I thought it was unfair of him to cause me stress. Fair. Anything else <laughs> on negative? Because speaking and of then how just, we... Go ahead. And then Reed, you know, he got shut out on three targets, but I'm really nitpicking here because everybody else was doing work. Yeah. The uh, Speaking of how things made us feel, though, there was one thing that made me think, and... You know, I was a little surprised to see Malik Heath as the odd man out in the wide receiver group right now. So he was inactive in this game to make room for Watson, who was making his return. Uh, that was the only thing that made me think. It's like, you know, it seems like he is the, the low man on the totem pole, so to speak, in the receiver room. And I mean, it's a good problem to have, but he's been good this year. So, you know, it's a little tough to see him be yeah. inactive on game day. Yeah, it looks like, then you know, Melton has moved ahead of him in the depth chart. That's yeah, that's also something to know. And we kind of felt that because, you know, Bo Melton led the team in snaps at receiver last week. So and, and yeah. Bo Melton's pretty good. Um, but yeah, so I just I thought that was interesting, at least anything that uh, struck your like thing in terms that of made me think you're like, OK, Watson was in there. He only had one catch on one target, but you should watch the tape and like three Cowboys defenders around him while, you know, opening up a a chasm. Around, around why Dobbs. do you think yeah why do you think romeo dobbs was so freaking open all night because three dudes were running with christian watson they remember what happened to them last time christian watson played against them yeah and that's the thing to keep an eye on because 
you know, we'll talk about it in the pregame, so I'm not going to worry about it. But, you know, keep an eye on if anything happens with those Watson, you know, deep routes next week. But we'll we'll give you all the scoop on that in the upcoming pregame. Dad, anything else on offense you wanted to touch on, or should we move on to defense? I think that was all the notes I had. Okay, defense. What are they saying? So this, this is what LaFleur had to say, and this is, was per uh, an article from Jason Wildy. I think it's Wildy, yeah. And LaFleur said, I couldn't be happier, LaFleur replied when asked why he stood by Barry and if he saw the defensive turnaround coming. I know that what Barry is all about in terms of resiliency. There's been tough moments, and there's been tough moments in every season. I feel like I know what we have in him, and I was confident that if anybody could write the ship, so to speak, it was him. And they played well. They played very well. Like, so what let's is it, not, that, like, LaFleur the... knows that he, what, what is it that LaFleur knows that he can say, you're going to play the defense this way when he has time to take away from the offense? I Just actually say, okay, think okay. that that's part isn't of it. That, isn't that, this, I hear a lot of people voicing this opinion that the only reason he's buried there is because LaFleur can tell him what to do. I, so I don't think Barry should be the defensive coordinator next year. I think he has, he is past the line of demarcation of if the season ended today, he would be back is how I feel right now. If they get embarrassed by San Francisco next week, we're back on to, we're back on to, you know, I don't think Barry would be here, but I think, you know, he is, he is at this point, if the season were to end today, like they were like, we're canceling the rest of the season. He would be back next year. Don't you think? Oh, right now without, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's say there's no more additional data. You don't get any more thinking, data. You just you just called it today. I think he would be back. Based on that quote, then I would say yes. I was thinking yeah. that they would really need one more good game against San Francisco. That the I don't San Francisco need... game is a is this a make or break game? I'm not talking about like what should happen. I think I'm talking no, about no. what I think is going to happen. And I don't think it needs to be a great game from the defense. To be honest, like, I, I don't if, think he's. What if he gets? Well, oh, if, if it's really get... bad, like Mike Pettin, 2019, like like Niners, yes. Or or even Tampa Bay, um, Tampa Bay versus the Packers in 2020, 2021 season. Uh, then yes. But I think, you know, he's at the point where if they just have a fine defensive performance next week, then I think he's back. And I don't think, I don't necessarily know that he should be, but I, I just think that's where we stand right now. But do you disagree? Do you feel like something else? Just a couple of weeks ago, I thought he was for sure gone. For sure yeah. gone. And yeah. is two weeks enough to change that? A sure gone. I mean, you can we can talk about, you know, them getting soft at the end and giving up those scores. The defense was incredible in this game. I mean, it, it just was. It was yeah. very, very good. So it was very let's, good. Let's get, on to, let's get on to the defense then. Uh, well, let's start, let's let's talk about the, this game. Well, let's start with the negatives so we can end on some positives. Uh, the negatives were, and this kind of ties into, you know, why I think, you know, Joe Barry did a pretty good job is they did not get pressure on Dak in this game. And usually that's been the formula for this defense is like they need to get sacks or they will never, ever get a stop. And that wasn't the case in this one. They they struggled to get pressure on Dak, and that is a bad thing all in all. Yes, he was pressured 17 times, but he dropped back to pass 70 different times, like 70 times. Uh, so it's only a 24% pressure rate, which is the third worst pressure rate Dak has had on the year. Um, and that's the Giants twice on that list and then the Rams once. Um, but at least in those, he had a lower time to throw, just 2.11 seconds, 2.68 seconds, and 2.78 seconds, respectively. Uh, in this game, he had yeah. over three seconds to throw the ball on that, average. That was the exact same thing I had about the the 3.01 um, seconds he had to throw in this game. And on the season, his average is only 2.72, and he only had one game um, with more time to throw than this game. And that was against the Chargers when he had like 
it was some crazy number, but he, but he also had like a 90 PFF grade in that yeah, game. Exactly. And, and in this game, you know, I know a lot of these numbers are skewed by garbage time, but you can twist it around just the other way and be like, Hey, they had to pass, you know, you just need to pass rush. So it's also a benefit to the pass rush in this game that you should be able to just tee off on him. And they weren't able to get home. And I know Dallas's, you know, offensive line is pretty good. Um, but at the same time, the right tackle is really bad. And the Packers were never able to really take advantage of that weakness on the line, I thought. Um, so, yeah, so that was my negative. Uh, and then the other was, you know, the third down defense was pretty bad. Um, Cowboys end up going 10 of 16 on third down and then had another converted by a penalty, uh, even taking out garbage time. So I'm just going win percent less than 1% for the Cowboys. Uh, still four of eight uh, and then one converted by penalty, which isn't horrible considering that Dallas had the second best third down offense in the league per team rankings. Um, and all these numbers, this time to throw in these pressures are PFF, just to reference that. So Dallas's offense was was very good on third downs, but it's still not a great showing on third down, especially when you know they're passing for most of the time. Uh, but Dad, what negatives did you have for the defense? I mean, that was the main thing was the pressure that we were talking about. And I had kind of the same notes that you did about the um, the time to throw in particular. Though in some ways, that's a little bit of a positive because I think the coverage was actually playing pretty well. I have some fun coverage numbers. Are you ready for them? Or do you want to talk any more about negatives? Because I have some fun ones. What do we have like overall? I was thinking about like the run defense. I have some I have some good stuff. The run well, defense was okay. So I, you know, kind of okay. middle of the pack. You say that. I initially was like, oh, wow. Like we defended the run really well. But we let them, you know, their success rate was like 50% or higher, I think, for the day which is a very high success rate running the football. And even if you take out garbage time, it was like that high. So like we, we held them down in terms of like, I think the longest run we allowed on the day was 11 yards. We only gave up like four point, like one ish yards of carry. But when they needed to, you know, move the ball running the football, they were able to do it. We just got them into kind of a script where they, they couldn't. So I, I, cause I initially felt watching the game. I was like, Oh, you know, run defense doing pretty well. But it was really just like kind of an okay. eh run performance on defense, in my opinion, looking at the numbers. All right. I guess there's one of the things like Jake Ferguson. Yeah, we can't guard tight ends. It we is could not it guard is. Jake. And we brought it up before the game. Tight end coverage. Yeah. How many touchdowns? Three, three touchdowns? He was he toasting us. Goodness. Yeah, I guess yeah, he, he did, was, huh? He was toasting us in the red zone. So that yeah. was that's a negative there. that We could not um, cover him in the red zone. Yeah, but thankfully he didn't really get going until the second half when it was we were during kind of, garbage time. Yeah, after Whereas, we were up by a bazillion points, but you still don't like to see the same player getting three touchdowns. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, but Dad, let's move on to some positives though. Uh, what do you have as a positive on defense? So this was their second best tackling game of the year per PFF, and, and there are several, you know, some individual plays that come to mind. One particular, I remember just saying when. When Nixon was able to get that open field tackle on for a Dak? sack of on Dak, it's like, yeah, that's a good tackle. I think I texted you and Eli about it's like, man, that was a great tackle. And, and um, I was the I was the, we talked about I was the math or not the math the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio like pointing at the TV. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that right there, that's that, that good right stuff. There. That's it. Um, yeah, that's uh once once upon a time in in Hollywood. In Hollywood, right? yep, yeah. And and they only had four missed tackles on the game out of eighty one attempts. It's their second yeah. best percentage. They um, are going the to have. Where they only had two out of forty-nine. They're going to have some tired legs because they played like eighty-nine snaps on defense <laughs> was, in this game. Or with, something. The, with the garbage time being so extended, they had a crap ton of, uh, yeah, of uh, snaps of, running uh, around out there. Of snaps with the, the pass plays that the 
that the Cowboys are running. And also, but another thing, if you like filter out the garbage time plays, um, Green Bay's defensive EPA per play was a score of negative 0.7, which would have been the top, which is among the top six single game performances on the season. Top six, mm-hmm. 6%. So it's like out of 544 defensive games. And it certainly all, does which includes not... all the games against some really crappy teams too yeah. that are, should be filling up those those uh, good scores. It doesn't hurt to get a pick six there. That's all I'm going to say. You, you're getting yeah. a lot of expected point <laughs> added swing on a pick six when you get it when you when your defense actually scores points. Yeah, for me, the positive, the biggest positive on the day though was just the coverage and the secondary, like we were talking about just now. I mean. The most telling statistic here is separation, once again, also per next-gen stats, which is, you know, separation allowed per target. Uh, League average, for reference, is 2.95 yards. Uh, Packers held CeeDee Lamb to 2.24 and Brandon Cooks to 2.71. And the only players that were above average were Michael Michael Gallup at like 3.05 and Jake Ferguson at 3.27, who we already talked about, was, you know, Packers kind of struggle with. But in terms of their two top receivers... Packers were all over them all game. They made plays on the ball. Green Bay had a total of six passes defended and two interceptions with that. Jair Alexander, that pick was crazy. That's like star players making star plays. He just basically bullied Brandon Cooks for that ball. Oh, yeah. Big-time players making big-time plays right there. And then Darnell Savage, uh, per next-gen stats, he was the fastest ball carrier in, uh, I don't know why I said it like that, ball carrier in week 19 on his interception, uh, which, you know, fun stuff. I, I was trying to add that note, and I saw you've already got it in there. Yeah, I mean, this the secondary dad was, they played out of their mind. They were playing really well. Yeah, the, the coverage was excellent. Like, CeeDee Lamb was, was they, they practically put him on a milk carton. Yeah, seven targets and just two catches in the first half. Just clamped up. And to the point, they were getting clamped so hard that they were having melt, like, they were having organizational meltdowns on the sideline on national television because oh, yeah, they were getting and, clamped down so badly for the first half. I yeah, know and you. The, uh, and Someone's... the, the, the announcing team was talking about, you know, what's wrong here the whole time. Did you see the thing that someone said we need a uh, camera of Jerry Jones in the skybox like they have for Taylor Swift, but just in the <laughs> bottom corner of the screen and it's just Jerry Jones going crazy during the game? <laughs> someone said, put that on my TV right now. Oh, this would have been a great game for that. Yes. Yes, it would. Um, I mean, wow. What a fun game. Every time I think about it, what a fun game. Um, but dad, anything else you wanted to say about the defense? I had a couple things that like caught my eye, but no other real negatives or positives. I had something that made us made me think, but it's also a positive. So like since week 13, um, the, the team coverage PFF grade is so much better in the games that Savage has played. So he played, I think like 13, 14 and week 17, 18 in the playoffs. And he missed, um, two weeks in there. They're, they're I, I know overall... the ones he missed. I know which two of those were. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Tampa both of them scored, and Carolina. Both of them gave up over 30. Yeah. Um, in the five games Savage has played, um, the coverage grade for the defense is um, 67.2. In the two he's missed, the coverage grade, the defensive coverage grade is 39.7 when he was out. And the points per game when he played is 18.8. And that's even counting this 30-point mostly garbage time game. And but the two he missed, the average is thirty-two, so it's like two yeah. touchdowns better, and you know the 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 coverage grade way better. So Savage is making a big difference on how well the whole unit plays. It so looks I like can't, anyway, I can't tell if he's making a big difference or he picked the perfect two games to not just not be available for <laughs> because I don't think 
you can you can say it all you want, but I don't know about just putting Savage in that lineup and that fixes would everything in those two games. All the in those two games, and they would uh, they would have won though. It would would have been. I do think you know, it's a big deal that he is actually like a positive impact player on the defense now. I feel like as opposed to last year, where at times it felt like he was a liability, and he you no know, he was benched for a stretch last year as well. So it's good to see him positively contributing and back on the field. The only thing that really made me think on defense, though, in this one um, was the linebacker rotation. Uh, they were using Isaiah McDuffie on rundowns before he got hurt and bringing in Campbell just for obvious passing situations. I was kind of weird. Uh, I can't say it didn't work, but I yeah, don't know. McDuffie's been playing mostly pretty well on rundowns. Then he got hurt, and then they had to, uh, and they brought, uh, I think, Eric Wilson in for some of those downs. It looked and like. Campbell's been mostly not playing very good, unfortunately. I think he's still hurt, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I, they kind of need McDuffie a little bit, especially yeah, it would be nice coming down Campbell the pipe. Almost he got in good position, but couldn't come up with a that pick. That yeah, pick I, at the, I at thought the he was going to get it. I really thought he was going to get it, but it is what it is. Um, anything that made you think on the defensive side, or should we wrap things up with special teams? That was what I yeah had to think is sort of how uh, is is Savage really making the whole defense better? Guess we'll see. Guess we'll see. Hopefully, like all the rest of the games he's available for, and their defense is great in all of them. Why not, eh? Um, but let's move to special teams. Um, so what did you have here? I have a couple things, but uh, I'll let you go first. So they had two punts inside the 10-yard line, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they did give up the one big kick return, and the two onside kicks, as we mentioned at the top of the show, is like, An adventure. Yikes. And one adventure. went right through the wicket, I think almost on, on Reed. And the other one is just rolling along and uh, it's getting closer and closer with that 10 yard mark. There are, this, who was it who dove on it in the end? It was Reed. I think there are a few things that make me as nervous as the watermelon onside <laughs> because yeah. it looks like, okay, don't touch it. It's not going 10 yards. Don't touch it. And then right at the end, it's starting to squeak past 10 yards and you have yeah, to make then you gotta t- a then you gotta grab it really second fast. decision. Is the move? Yeah. Just to punt it out of bounds as hard as you can. I was thinking about the same thing. If you just knock that thing out of bounds, yeah, you then can. it's over. But what if you hit it and it just what ricochets if you off the guy it. and yeah. you mishit it? And then you look like an idiot. So, I don't know. Yeah. But I would give some shout-out to uh, Musgrave where he fell on that ball and got the first to him. One. And yeah. The first one. And that nobody was near him mm-hmm. for the Cowboys. Yeah. I, yeah, that was like the perfect onside, too. I was like, so uh, they, uh-oh. So they were saying that the blocking uh, – yeah, I didn't get a chance to like re- look at it to see how well – the receiving team kind of blocked it up to keep him clean to fall on that ball. Which is, but I think that is part of the like reason those traditional onsides don't work as well because you can't get a running head start. And so it's hard for you to get there even if you execute it well. Famous lost words, obviously. But um, for me, I thought the, uh, you know, it's interesting. So initially, like watching the game, I thought the kick coverage was really bad. Uh, But then I went through all of them. They, They kicked eight times. Um their you know starting position on seven of eight uh, was a touchback or less, which isn't bad. Uh, they did allow you know five of the eight to be returned. Um, they only put five of the eight into the end zone. Uh, one went to the one yard line, one went to the two, and one went to the three. Uh, they al- let another big return up, but there was a penalty, so who knows? You know maybe that penalty was the reason it was a big return. Um, I just wish they would kick it through the end zone. I almost think just that they're. Why? I almost think that they just don't want to. I think it's on purpose at this point that they're trying to put it right at the like, at the end line and make them return because you I mean Bisace can point to this and be like hey you know seven out of eight times 
they had a, a worse field position than a touchback win. And my counter would be, yeah. But the one time they didn't, they got it out to like, what was it? I had it here. They the got it out to the 45 on a 47-yard return. And that was why they were able to score at the end of the first half. And that was what gave them life going into the second half. It should it could have been over pretty much. But you breathe a little life back into them because you decided not to kick it through the end zone. Or because your kicker can't kick it through the end zone. And I don't know which is worse. Which is he's supposed to have this big leg. How about yeah. we just put it put it like, you know, try to try to kick a field goal from the kickoff every time. I'm tired of this. Yeah. Having the ball like die at the one or the two. Yeah, so so I, I still don't the kick the kickoff coverage was not as bad as I thought. The kickoff plan I don't love. I mean, I understand you kind of put it in the end zone five of eight times, but Two of them were just like negative, like they're barely in the end zone. And I get that Turpin's a pretty good returner and the Dallas special teams is pretty good. And they're going to want to return a lot of these. And you mostly like held them down. I mean, they ended up starting, you know, one possession at the 14 and one possession at the 12. But the 12 one was just because of penalty as well. But yeah, you forced that penalty. So that's something. Um, But yeah, no, I I didn't like the plan on kickoffs. Uh, And then the missed PAT. I mean, can, can can you get credit for forcing a missed PAT? By, by getting that, uh, that penalty to push him back? I do think, you know, I don't know. I mean, at least he misses the ones that are worth one point and not three. I don't know. I like. I don't know. I don't know what else to say on that one. But yeah, and then, the, like you said, the punting was good. Uh, but, Dad, let's wrap things up here. Player of the game, I think there's only one it's answer. pretty obvious. Uh, you know, I didn't care that you already put this down. I was putting it down anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Jordan Love. Love. I mean, all day, love. all day love. Honorable mention, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, Honorable Honorable Richard. Richard Aaron Jones. Yes. But, Cowboys but yeah. owner, Aaron yeah. Jones. I mean, Cowboys, yeah. I mean, he had all his family in attendance, too. He threw his first touchdown to his uh, twin brother. It was very yeah, fun. They, oh, that's who, that's who he threw it to. They said he had, like, uh, requests, like, over 20 tickets, I think. Yeah, I mean, El Paso's far, but, you know, it's closer than any of the other games are. So, um, But anyway, this has been the Father-Son Packers podcast. We will be here later this week to talk the pregame. Uh, previewing the game against the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round. Who would have thought? Who would have thought we'd be here? Who would have thought? Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear today, I realized I forgot to give this spiel earlier. If you like what you hear here today, I got so excited about the uh, about the content of the beating the Cowboys. Uh, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, uh, stats that we find when we're doing research for these episodes, articles we find interesting by other Packers content creators, videos as well. Um, then we tweet out whenever there's new Packers news in terms of injury report and roster moves. But yeah, so just come give us a follow on Twitter at father, son, Packer. We'd really appreciate it. One stop shopping for everything you need to know title town and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. So that's Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well. If you want to subscribe there, it would really help our numbers, but yeah, come check us out. We'll be doing uh, two episodes for the rest of the, as long as the regular season's going one episode during the off season every week. Uh, come, you know, hang out and, Let's let's all just talk about the Packers and uh, hey, go Pack go, go Pack go.